Hello, and welcome to The Right Side of History, a show dedicated to exploring current events through a historical lens and busting left-wing myths about figures and events of America's past. My name is Jarrett Stepman, a contributor to The Daily Signal. And I'm Fred Lucas, The Daily Signal's White House correspondent. This week, we wanted to talk about foreign meddling in American elections through our history. It's something that we've touched on a little bit with previous shows, and we talked about the Electoral College, but we felt that we really didn't get enough into into the depth of this issue. And uh, fortunately, uh, Fred here has actually written a, a, a rather extensive piece about uh, foreign meddling in American elections that I definitely encourage our audience to to read and and to 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 look at but you know we thought we'd give you kind of a rundown on the show so so fred you know i think you 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 hit in the piece that there are really six big times i mean obviously foreign meddling has been a, a rather constant thing in our history but there's really six big events can you kind of sh- tell us what the the first big time that we had foreign meddling in our elections uh, yes, and uh, that that would be the first actual competitive presidential race, which was 1796. Uh, Vice President John Adams and uh, Thomas Jefferson uh, going against each other. That year, the French uh, meddled in in the election, and and they meddled in a way uh, that might sound familiar. They uh, uh, they tried to plant stories in American media. They uh, worked with the ambassador, uh, which is something that has come up during this current issue with the Russian ambassador <laughs> and the United States. It's a very States. infamous citizen Genet. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and also they, um, uh, there was actual communications between the Jefferson campaign and, and the French government, which you might very well call collusion. So um, wow. uh, what, what we did not have, it was all done very much out in the open in this case in 1796. Um, there, there was nothing, no espionage uh, allegations of that. But but it was clear, uh, largely because of the Jay Treaty, which we talked about a little bit in the last show, uh, the Jay Treaty between the U.S. and England, which pledged neutrality in the French-British War, uh, that uh, the French were not happy. They they <laughs> thought that, even, even though it was under a new government at the time, post-revolution, they, they were not happy. They thought, hey, the U.S. owes us something here. Jefferson kind of felt the same way, and he was disappointed in the Jay Treaty, as were a lot of the Jeffersonian Republicans at the time. It really is interesting. I mean, the parties at that time, I mean, as we see in a lot of our history, kind of align themselves with one country or another. I mean, the Jeffersonian Republicans were really pro-France. They they had, at least within the party, a little more sympathy for, you could say, the French Revolution. The Federalist Party, the Hamilton's Party tended to be a little more pro-British in their sympathies. They tended to side, even though they had fought, many of them had fought a war against the British, they tended to be a little more sympathetic to the British, a little more dubious about the, the French Revolution, of course, which, you know, at this point hadn't gotten quite so bloody yet, but obviously was showing itself to be a little out of control. I do find the the interesting, this ambassador, Citizen Genet, uh, kind of well-known to some history buffs, but, you know, he really was, uh, to say he was meddling is, is I mean, that doesn't even tell the half of it, really. I mean, he was going around the country trying to start up clubs to support France. He actually tried to uh, take ships out, essentially, to uh, basically capture British vessels. And he really got in trouble with President George Washington. And he made kind of embarrass the, the Jeffersonians because it looks so obvious that the French were getting involved in American elections. Now, Well, it, it, it didn't pay off uh, at least— Electorally, because Adams won that race. Right. right. Uh-huh. So it didn't actually, I think this is going to be a little bit of a theme here is that even with the meddling that we've had in our elections, it doesn't 
always pay off, and sometimes it, it actually backfires a little right. bit. And well, I I um um I wrote about the uh, eighteen hundred election in uh, my book uh, Tainted by Suspicion, which it continued to be Britain and France continued to be like almost a defining issue when when it when it's Adams versus Jefferson because uh, Jefferson was so f- pro French and Adams. Adams largely, I mean, he was pro-British. I, I, I think as much as anything, he was of the belief that it was a more practical thing to be pro-British than having an almost romantic view of Britain as, as Jefferson did with France. Yeah, it's interesting. Just to kind of conclude this, it is the kind of the basis of uh, when George Washington gave his farewell address and spoke about America not aligning itself with the interests of another country. And this is a very famous speech. He was in many ways talking about the conflicts with France and Great Britain because there were two parties that were always seeing you know, one or the other as being aligned with our interests. Washington was saying America needs to look at its own interests first and not be so tied to another nation. I think it was a very important moment for George Washington in kind of defining American policy in the future. Yeah. Uh, so the next one, Fred, I, I think maybe – a little less well-known, uh, yeah. actually happened during World War II, uh, and this time it was the British trying to get involved right. in our elections. Can you explain this for us, Well, Fred? Well, in, in this case, uh, Britain uh, favored keeping FDR as, as president. They, they thought he was more likely uh, to get America involved in the war, um, and and as they were you know, under onslaught from Nazi Germany— um, but uh, they wanted to hedge their bets. Uh, the Republican Party at the time was very largely uh, isolationist, non-interventionist. They wanted to stay out of this European war, and kind of on the heels of World War One. How many times we have to jump into Europe? I mean, that 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 was that was uh, the sentiment with a lot of members of Congress, Democrats as well, and a lot of Americans in general well, yeah, at just, the time. Just the public as well. They they still remembered World War One, and you know, what's kind of what's the point? I mean, pre <laughs> Pearl Harbor that was a sentiment largely in America. Um, the, um, so, so what we did see, uh, very, very similar to, uh, what, what we've seen Russia, uh, has done here. Uh, uh, they, there were cases in which, uh, planning fake news stories, hmm. um, and, and actual, and, and those days in some American newspapers, but, uh, I mean, uh, often they were small ethnic newspapers, uh, and in in one instance, they were um, uh, they went they planted a basically a fake poll in uh, <laughs> the New York Herald Tribune. New York Herald Tribune doesn't exist anymore, but it was the most influential Republican oh, yes. newspaper of its time, and that really helped move the ball in terms of they got behind Wilkie. Uh, you, you had some other media get behind Wil- Wendell Wilkie, who, who has who was. Uh, incidentally enough, a charismatic New York businessman who had never run for political office uh, and uh, never held political office. So so this was a, very similar to Donald Trump in some ways. Nobody thought he could win the nomination because there, there, were, there was a big field of establishment Republicans. And then he <laughs> Wilkie did this seeming grassroots situation and actually had the British government behind him, unbeknownst to a lot of people Wow, at the time. Yeah, I mean, really an example, as you said, about this poll, really like an early push poll almost, uh, <laughs> right, you know, right, trying right. to gin up yeah. uh, support from the British. I mean, Wilkie's so, definitely, he's an interesting character. I mean, you know, obviously there's a little bit of comparison there to, to Donald Trump. Got kind of famous as uh, a lawyer working, uh, basically going after, I mean, a lot of these New Deal programs. He actually tried to fight the Tennessee Valley Authority and things like that. So he became very famous. I think mm-hmm. it's interesting that, 
after the election, of course, he went down to defeat to FDR, who the British also kind of supported at the same time. Right. Well, yeah, uh, and, and uh, that's an important thing to say about 1940. Uh, FDR won re-election by uh, yet another convincing margin, but um, where the British played a role is was getting the nomination, Republican nomination for Wilkie, because they wanted two interventionists going against each other. Two, you know, so no matter who the president ended up being, he was likely to eventually provide aid for the British in World War II. Absolutely. And it's interesting that Wilkie, after the, the election, actually worked on behalf of the FDR administration, actually did a, a tour through Europe trying to, you know, basically stop the war and try to get Kane better relationships with potential allies in the future, which, you know, you could say did build relations that led to you know, the kind of grand alliance in World War II. So in some ways... Uh, a rather important, forgotten figure in our history. You know, actually, it is worth noting here too that it wasn't just the British; that the Germans were also trying to get involved in American oh, yeah, elections right, right, too. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah, a very uh, far less successful effort. But yeah, uh, in October, they the Nazis tried to pull an October surprise. Actually, they they captured <laughs> a Polish government document that they believed would expose uh, FDR as a, quote, criminal hypocrite and a warmonger. Uh, that that was uh, published in the Washington Post not, not all that long ago. Uh, they had an article about this. And the German embassy in Washington actually bribed uh, American newspapers to publish the document, but not much came of it. Uh, FDR still, as I said, won by a landslide. Unbelievable. So uh, now uh, a theme I think we'll return to a few times is, of course, the, the next uh, election meddling here is uh, Russian Meshing yes. meddling. Uh, yeah. The Soviets, yeah. in particular, uh, yeah, they, during the kind of start mess, of the Cold War. Around, yeah, they've been the, messing around at least since 1948. In this case, uh, it was establishing their own political party, which was sort of a, a Soviet front in the United States. It was the Progressive Party. That's not to be confused with the Bull Moose Progressive Party. This was a Progressive Party that ran former uh, Vice President Henry Wallace, former FDR cabinet member. Henry Wallace, who had a falling out with Truman uh, because he had some sympathies. Uh, he had a lot of sympathies with the Soviet Union. Most history tells us so that Henry Wallace was not aware that this party uh, was a, uh, an arm of a, an, an indirect arm of the Soviets. But the, there were a lot of Soviet agents within this. He later found this out. Uh, actually, later in life, Henry Wallace uh, left this party, criticized the party, uh, thought that they were had been taken over by communists. And uh, in the next presidential election, he endorsed Dwight Eisenhower and then went on to endorse Richard Nixon in 1960. It is an interesting transformation. I actually saw one time uh, Richard Brookheiser, who was a former editor of National Review, actually said that at the end of his life, Henry Wallace became a National Review subscriber <laughs> and was somewhat amenable to conservative views. So an interesting transformation for Henry Wallace, who was really this kind of far left guy. I mean, he was even to the Very left nice. of... Uh, Franklin Roosevelt, to be sure, and left of Harry Truman at one point, mm -hmm. kind of saw that some of his uh, alliances and associates were basically hard left communists and mm -hmm. and really did not have American interests uh, at heart and really turned against that. So I think it's definitely interesting to notice, you know, certainly at some time in history, you know, a guy who's been been duped you could say, actually having an epiphany and changing his mind afterwards. So, but, you know, the Soviets have 
obviously had a lot of yeah. meddling in American history. They they started even under the FDR administration, tried to implant agents in our in our government, which I think is definitely a verified it's a fact mm-hmm. at this point. So it's interesting that they would create their own party in American politics. Obviously right. didn't the party didn't do very well. Okay. Didn't in do very fourth well. Fourth place, two percent of the it, vote. It did about uh, as well as the modern Green Party does in, yeah. in our elections. Right, right, right. <laughs> Right, right. Which uh, you never know about the Green Party. Uh, that's, that, yeah, that's, uh, that's right. So, so the next one here you got, uh, uh, Fred, is uh, actually the, the 1960 and 1968 elections, well, uh, specifically with JFK, John F. Kennedy, and Richard Nixon. Can you can you set that up a yeah, little yeah, bit? Yeah, sure. For us? Um, yeah, with uh, in, in the case of 1960, uh, you actually had Nikita Khrushchev. Uh, he actually took credit for that. Uh, uh, he 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 claimed and. In his memoir that he told JFK in a conversation, uh, quote, you know, Mr. Kennedy, we voted for you. And uh, Kennedy responded, you're right. I admit you played a role in the election and cast your vote for me. Uh, the, the basis to that is that in 1960, hmm. uh, the Soviets shot down a U-2 spy plane uh, flying over Russia. Uh, Gary Powers was pilot. They took him for prisoner. Um, they... Um, the Soviets had uh, a discussion on the, the, the gov- government officials decided, Khrushchev being in charge at the time, that it was best to hold powers as long as they could until after the election. Hmm. They didn't like the Eisenhower-Nixon administration, and they thought maybe Kennedy might be a little bit of a pushover. And, uh, of course, uh, after Kennedy was in, they they tested Kennedy with the Cuban Missile Crisis and Absolutely. so forth. So, so they thought at the time Kennedy would be a, more of a pushover than Nixon, and they wanted to hurt Eisenhower, Nixon, or hurt Nixon in that case. Uh, so they decided to keep powers, and they viewed that as a um, uh, Khrushchev wrote that that was a success in his view because Kennedy won by a very very narrow margin right. in that. It is interesting. I mean, I think it's 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 worth noting, especially in a lot of these cases. You know, even though a foreign government tries to meddle on behalf of one candidate or another, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're even ideological allies. I mean, in this mm-hmm. case, I mean Kennedy. I think, you know, he was a very liberal guy. He was also right. known as very much a cold war warrior. He was very much anti-communist. In some ways, you could say he was a he was a Political. I mean, he was a hawk militarily, if yeah. you say maybe an ineffective one. Uh, his brother Robert Kennedy was also uh, very much an anti-communist. Right. So it's not McCarthy as if, yeah, he worked with jo- Joe McCarthy. Right. Something that especially a lot of modern liberals like to leave out in their whole narrative about McCarthyism right. is the fact that uh, <laughs> Robert Kennedy actually worked alongside him basically, and 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 saw this as a major problem is communist infiltration in American government. So, but of course, you know, foreign powers, you know, they have their own reasons for wanting to change American elections. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to bring communists to power or whatnot, but they may see some short-term or long-term benefit by putting their finger on the scale of one party or not. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it is, I think it is worth noting that a lot of times, you know, American politics kind of goes along we do have a lot of foreign powers that like to jump in and just kind of nudge things well, uh, one way or another. Foreign powers, or maybe you're like American voters sometimes, like, they pick the lesser two evils. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the, the other case with Nixon was another very razor-thin um, uh, contest. Nixon this time against citing Vice President Hubert Humphrey. Hubert Humphrey was actually running into a lot of problems because of uh, LBJ's very unpopular policies in the Vietnam War. Uh what LBJ thought was going to be an October surprise, he, he announced that there was going to be a, a ceasefire 
uh, and negotiations with the North Vietnamese. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> there, there's been documents that have uh, been produced that, that show that Nixon worked through intermediaries, back channels, to try to set up, uh, uh, to, to communicate with the South Vietnamese president that they would get a much better deal under the Nixon administration. Hmm. Uh, this led the South Vietnamese to walk away from the negotiating table at that time. Now, there's there's actually a good bit of dispute against this among some historians that think uh, either Nixon didn't have that much of a role to play or that the North Vietnamese were never really serious about negotiating a ceasefire anyway. Um, but, I mean, th- th- this, is, this is a matter in which uh, it's believed that m- maybe a foreign power and, and maybe with, with direct knowledge of a campaign, maybe collusion, uh, if you will, uh, that there was uh, – it did impact the outcome of an election in terms of votes or in terms of uh, how people perceive the vote in a very close election. For sure. So uh, next, uh, I think, you know, kind of finishing out the the, yeah, the Cold War meddling back, right, right. is maybe the most, uh, well, you could say now infamous uh, case of foreign meddling. And this is actually very much, I think you could say, a two-way street. Uh Ted Kennedy, Senator Ted Kennedy, who ran uh, for president of the United States, he ran in 1980 and uh, certainly was involved in the 1984 election. Uh, I think very, I guess, infamously penned a letter to Soviet leader. I believe um, it was Brezhnev, but he he definitely uh, tried to bring in the Soviets on behalf of defeating his political opponents. Can you uh, set this up a little bit for us, Fred, and and kind of explain what exactly this was about? Yeah. Um- this is, uh, and we've talked about Ted Kennedy before on our show, yeah. but uh, that was Chappaquiddick. Uh, there could probably easily be a sequel to this, uh, yeah. Chappaquiddick. Um, sure. But uh, when Ted Kennedy ran for president in 1980, he challenged Jimmy Carter for the Democratic presidential nomination. And he had um, a former California senator, uh, that was uh, John Tooney, uh, uh, communicate with the Soviets uh, and, and deliver a letter in uh, that case, um, to the Soviet leaders and uh, saying, basically saying that um, he felt like Carter had created an atmosphere of tensions and in uh, uh, the Cold War. Um, of course, Kennedy wasn't blaming the KGB or, I mean, or the Soviets for anything. He was blaming uh, Jimmy Carter. Uh, for, I find that problems. funny. I mean, most people, uh, when they think of Jimmy Carter, they don't think of hardliner right. or guy who's going to really uh, hold the line. It's interesting right. that Kennedy actually tried to portray him as a guy that was an aggressive, uh, you know, Iron Man cold warrior. I don't think that's necessarily his reputation with the American people. I do find it interesting that he would do this against a fellow Democrat. It did seem like there was a lot of a lot of bad blood between Kennedy and Carter. Certainly, a 1980 election, wouldn't you say that, Fred? Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely so. Definitely so. And um, I mean, it, it's unclear what uh, Carter was hoping to gain from the Soviets in, in this case. But but if he was hoping that they would, I mean, he had probably might well have been aware of 1960 that, that they meddled in terms of getting his brother elected president. So maybe he was hoping for something along the lines in that case. Um, four years later, uh, I mean. Jimmy Carter beat Kennedy, won his party's nomination, but lost to Ronald Reagan. So we had uh, 1984, um, leading into the 1984 re-election. Uh, uh, Kennedy again used uh, Tunney uh, to communicate with the Soviets. Uh, and in this case, uh, uh, he 
uh, this this was a uh, documented by Paul Kingor and the Crusader, uh, Ronald Reagan, and the fall of communism. But uh, he said that um, he tried to set up interviews with uh, uh, the Soviets wow. and Barbara Walters, Walter Cronkite. Uh, he 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 just felt like uh, again uh, similar language that he felt like Reagan was too much of a saber rattler, and that the Soviets wanted. He felt like. Reagan was an enemy of peace that the Soviets uh, were, you know, being misunderstood, and he wanted to give them a platform. And uh, and and there there was the belief that he might be playing a, another presidential run. Hmm. I I think polling bore out that he that wouldn't be very successful, so he didn't move forward with that. But uh, that might have been his intentions at that point. At least his intentions were maybe getting some Soviet interference to harm Reagan's reelection effort. Yeah, I I, it, I mean. It does kind of show somewhat of a, a, a bad judgment of character if you think somebody like Brezhnev is a, a better person to work with than than Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Um, I, I think that definitely shows, you know, a, a definitely a gap there for 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 Kennedy and and thinking that it would be easier to work with uh, this guy who, for the most part, you know, you could definitely say is you know basically like a KGB agent. Uh, you know, a really cold-hearted man, uh, and talk about aggression and and whatnot. Uh, the Soviet leadership at that time, and Reagan even knew this, and and it was one of the reasons why he refused to negotiate with the Soviets until uh, Gorbachev uh, eventually came to power there. Uh, certainly, because he saw the the previous regime as all actually very hostile and militant. It's interesting that Kennedy would think of them as potential allies in a in a political campaign. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the last one we have here, and this is a, a actually a more recent one. Though. This is more after the Cold War. This actually has to yeah. do with. Uh, President Bill Clinton, what you call China Gate. I, I know a little less about this, Fred. Can you explain uh, what this was all about, and and Clinton, and and can you explain that for us? Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, th- this was um, introduced a lot of uh, figures that the, the simple folks might remember: uh, uh, John Wong, Johnny Chung, Charlie Tree, James Riotti. They they were uh, agents that, that were associated with uh, the government of Communist China. Uh, and they were raising millions for the Democratic National Committee. Uh, sometimes they didn't always know where that money was coming from. Uh, th- this was a uh, somewhat of a um, uh, there, there's probably, I think, certainly more evidence of collusion uh, with a foreign power in this case than, than certainly the current current Russia investigation going on now. Uh, we did have some guilty pleas in the end of this. There was actual money. Changed hands. Uh, that's something we haven't had in the current Russia investigation. Um, but uh, um, and 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 eventually this uh, this led to uh, suspicion that uh, nuclear technology uh, was um, that the Chinese were gaining access to nuclear technology, and there was a connection with this and the campaign contributions that were coming forward. It's interesting. I mean, it does have a—I try not to get too contemporary, but it does have at least—it looks like a little bit connected to some of the accusations in 2016. I mean, they were even covered by uh, even the New York Times about the Clinton Foundation and its connection to Russia and selling uranium, essentially, to Russia, some of our uranium deposits. So it's interesting the kind of similarities as far as the accusation in this, essentially. There there, there have actually been people who have said that the— what the Clinton Foundation was a more sophisticated version of China Gate. It Interesting. Was, it, it was a that, that they really learned how to do it through a nonprofit. What they had done only through campaign fundraising. Uh, and, uh, and 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 this was something. I mean, um, 
Uh, the LA Times, I believe, was the first to break it, uh, and, and it started uh, during the '96 campaign. With uh, Al Gore was in a, a Buddhist temple, raising a lot of money from people who had taken a vow of poverty, uh, and 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 that was one of the uh, one of the lines that came from the scandal. And then uh, you had you know months and months of congressional hearings in this. Uh, Fred Thompson chaired it in the Senate. That's right. Uh, Dan Burton in the House. And uh, Bob Woodward broke a lot of stories in the Washington Post about it. But, uh, I mean, some there were people who thought this would be the end of Clinton. Uh, there was never a smoking gun, and it turned out that uh, the Monica Lewinsky scandal just kind of overtook it because it was so much more sensational, and there was kind of a more clear-cut potential for impeachment. Fundraising is difficult to understand, and Monica Lewinsky was a simple scandal, so that— all the attention shifted to that. I think that's, especially the younger generations, I think that's what they more remember the Clintons for, right. not the other financial scandals. In some ways, you know, maybe potentially bigger scandals that were happening around yeah. the Clintons right. at that I time so. that yeah. I think the older generations have a little more uh, a little more memory for, uh, mm-hmm. for sure. So, Fred, kind of wrapping up this whole thing, I think just kind of discussion about, you know, foreign meddling in American history. It's, it well, is it's, interesting. It's, it's, it's the rule, not the exception, I think. <laughs> it's a... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear Russia did meddle in the 2016 election. Uh, what, what's that dispute is whether there was any kind of collusion or not. Uh, president says there's not. There's no, been no smoking gun evidence that there has been. Uh, I, I, I think what's uh, important, whether you're talking about 1796 or 1996 <laughs> or any of those elections in between with Ted Kennedy in 1940, uh, in no cases did these, uh, or, or 2016, in no cases did uh, a foreign government change votes. Right. Uh, there, there, there was no interference with actual votes. Uh, it, influence is I mean, influencing public perception that might have steered people to vote a certain way. Yeah, you know, I, it's it's kind of a, it's a complicated thing because you know in America, you know, we are a very open society. I mean, that's just the reality of of living in a free country. It's very easy for outsiders essentially to participate in some ways. It doesn't even have to be direct connections to American elections. I mean, it could just be things that they media in their own country. I mean, people obviously they have their own megaphones. You know, they, many countries around the world are very much concerned or interested in what the United States does, both our friends and our enemies. So it's not surprising that they have tried to manipulate in American elections, and Americans, I think it's right to say, we've battled <laughs> yeah, a few other elections yeah, around the globe I mean, as well. During the Cold War, right? Yeah, particularly and, during the Cold War. So, and, I, and, and in fact, Eisenhower sort of uh, during his administration, he thought it would be more effective than using a bomb to try to uh, make sure some of these countries don't fall to communist right. uh, in elections, which some of those elections end up being the last election. When they felt a Marxist leader. So. Absolutely. I mean, it seems to be uh, worthwhile to stay on guard against for meddling, but understanding that, you know, that will always have a, a role to play. And I think Americans as a, as a free society have been best able to handle this. And we have not seen, you know, something like, you know, Manchurian candidate or something mm-hmm. like that. Most of these attempts have been fairly ham handed and have looked a little ridiculous in the grand scheme of things and really haven't necessarily tipped America, you know, one way or another in elections. It's been fairly muted compared to the general larger debate in American elections, especially when it comes to presidential elections, as far as the direction of the country. I mean, that always ultimately ends up in the hands of the American people and what they believe and what a free society comes to the conclusion of. Um, so, Fred, I think we're I think we're going to wrap up. Uh, great show. I think uh, we got a lot of good information here to to the listener. Um, 
and thanks for everyone to everyone for joining us on the right side of history. If you'd like to listen to past and future broadcasts, you can also check us out on SoundCloud, Stitcher, or the Daily Signal website. Also take a look at the Daily Signal's Facebook page for when we air our next program. And if you're further interested in our work, check out my Twitter, at Jarrett Stepman, and Fred's Twitter, at FredLucasWH. Thanks again for listening. You've been listening to The Right Side of History, executive produced by Jarrett Stepman and Fred Lucas. Sound designed by Michael Gooden, Lauren Evans, and Thalia Rampersad. For more information, visit heritage.org.